Hey, gang. Welcome back. How's everybody doing? Great, I hope. Thank you for joining me for another Old Head Podcast. So, I know that every week, well, not every week anymore, every few weeks when I do these podcasts, I'm presenting you with some kind of topic where, sure, I'm giving you a bit of history and you know some details on whatever I'm talking about, but for the most part, I like to filter it through my own unique perspective and point of view and what have you. And so I started to think about that and think about why my point of view even matters. Where do I fall in the sea of thousands, it seems, of people on the internet here and there talking about music? Why should you listen to me? What do I have that makes my perspective any different than somebody else's out there? And really, probably the biggest question is, why did I end up here talking about music instead of out there playing music? So today, I would like to present to you an experiment in self-analysis that I would like to title The Creator and the Fanatic. So, I'm going to start things off by taking you back to 1988. I was 10 years old. So, sure, prior to that, I had already been listening to music, I had already discovered rock and roll, and I already had some music that I loved and some favorite bands and whatnot. But I think that 1988 is kind of when I remember starting to really become fanatical about music, always wanting to listen to it, always wanting to learn about it or, or watch you know music videos or whatever was out there. And around that point, I was very into bands like Guns N' Roses and uh, Def Leppard. Um, soon after that, a little bit later would would come you know anthrax and my thrash metal shit. But when I was 10, um, I, I hadn't yet started, really branching out and exploring, I was sort of just taking the mainstream rock that was thrown at me and and finding the shit that spoke to me, I guess. But also, I started to find myself, quote-unquote, writing music in my head. When I was 10, I didn't play any instruments. I don't even think I had a keyboard at that point. It was all a thing where I found myself sort of having these daydreams where I had created these songs. And sure, maybe I was borrowing things that I heard from songs here and there and putting them together. But for the most part, from what I can remember, they were original ideas that were mine. And I would find myself sitting there imagining these songs and, I mean, complete songs with you know, verses and choruses and middles and guitar solos. And and it got to the point where I guess these were in my mind enough that I, you know, was remembering them. And I started making fake album covers. Like I would take construction paper and cut it into a, you know, close to a square as I could. And I would put 
whatever the song title or 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 whatever album I came up with, I was fucking already thinking of doing albums. And I remember I had all these different pieces of construction paper in different colors and they were all different ideas that I was having for albums that my imaginary artist was making. In fact, I even remember that one of them was a fucking concept album where each side of the LP was one long track. And I think it had something to do with with my character being somebody who was going to save the world somehow. I mean, fuck, I was 10. But the fact that I was already basically putting together my own shit with just what I had going on in my brain, it kind of you know, painted a picture of where I was going to go. That I wasn't just interested in sitting and listening to the music. I wanted to be involved in the music. But I wasn't quite there yet. So I was still just going out there and trying to find any albums I could that just looked like heavy rock albums. If I was at a store with my mom and I was looking through the cassette tapes and I saw some album cover where the dudes had big long hair on the cover, I'd be like, mom, can I get this? It looks really good. And pretty quickly, I had amassed quite a little collection of albums. And I remember even at that young age, I was already starting to make mixed tapes. I wasn't giving them to anybody else, really. I was just you know making them for myself. But I was already consciously thinking about which songs would go where on the mixtape? What what song highlights the best aspects of whatever album it came from? And it became quite a, an obsession with mine that grew over the years. And then eventually I started making these mixes for friends and, you know, girlfriends and whatnot. But of course, I was still wanting to create my own music. So I remember probably around 1990, I think, I ended up getting one of those big old Casio keyboards that had like 50 different sounds and presets and shit on them uh, for Christmas or birthday or some shit. And so I started writing music uh, from those. And it was sure very rudimentary songwriting, very simple, stupid, almost like punky kind of stuff, because that's kind of all I knew how to do. But I would make these songs using my double cassette deck stereo and I would have two cassette tapes and then on one of them I would record whatever I decided to record first which may have been some sort of fake drum beat on the the keyboard that went along all of the all of the song what I knew what the drum beat was going to sound like I played the drum beat by itself on the tape then I would move that tape over to the play side of the double cassette deck stereo, put a new tape in the record side, play the one with the drums, and start playing the fake guitar part over it, adding that layer to it. And then, I don't think at that point I had started really worrying about bass guitar or multiple melodies or whatever. So, switch the tapes again, and then the next one, I used my little shitty microphone that hooked into my stereo, and I would record the vocals over it. And voila, I had a fucking song. And I started doing this shit all the time. But most of them were pretty goofy songs. I didn't really have any kind of inspiration when it came to what I wanted to put out there. It was, you know, just kind of technically putting songs together and enjoying that. 
And then um, around 1991, uh, obviously you had you know, Metallica had the Black Album, and that was a big deal, and I was really into Metallica. But um, as I've spoken about on another podcast, um, that's the year that I discovered Nirvana. And Nirvana was a big deal when it came to me discovering that I could make music that was meaningful and I didn't necessarily need to be this guitar virtuoso like a lot of the ones that I saw out there. So that was a big motivator for me to just get out there and do it. Don't worry about where your musical abilities are right now. Uh, just you know, keep doing it and, and figure out where you're going. But unfortunately, at that point, I still didn't have a guitar. And to me, that was something that I, I, I didn't even know how I would go about getting one. It just seemed way too expensive. And I didn't know anything about guitars or amplifiers or any of that shit. So my focus was pretty much on expanding my musical horizons and listening to as much different music as I could to, to find the, the next thing that's going to fucking move me. And uh, in 1992, I finally got a CD player. And that was a big deal because all of a sudden, I started to get into the idea of having a collection of music. I wanted to get all sorts of albums on CD. And around that time, there was a used CD store that was down near the uh, university campus in, in Austin. And it was the first used CD store I had ever seen. It was called Technophilia. And you could go into this store and look through their huge array of used CDs, and you could pick out a few and walk over to a CD player with some headphones and just listen to shit and decide if you want to buy it. And I was there all the fucking time. Just listening to whatever looked interesting or, oh, I had heard of this band before, let's listen to this. And you would end up walking out of there with a few CDs because you were essentially buying them for seven, eight bucks in, as opposed to the 14 or whatever it was you know, when they were coming out new. But that place was really important when it came to me starting to become even more fanatical and more of a collector and you know branching out and getting into different bands and stuff like that. But still, I was kind of doing this on my own you know with whatever i saw on tv or read in a magazine or whatever and you know i didn't really have anybody else influencing me or turning me on to new shit and then in 1993 to oh fuck i don't remember one of those years i uh i started high school and i finally met some quote-unquote metal friends these were other dudes that were into the same music that I was into. And uh, and for the most part, they were actually into some heavier shit. But more importantly, these motherfuckers were in a band. And that just blew my mind. So I hung out with these guys and I went over to one of their houses and I got to play a guitar for the first time. And I remember being shown some basic power chords and stuff just to sort of, you know, make some noise on a guitar. And if I remember right, like one of the first songs that I crudely played along with was the song Independent by the band Sacred Reich. 
the the independent album had just come out and we were listening to that and it was a pretty easy little thing to play with you know on one string to kind of just get the idea of doing the rhythm with the with the chords and what I whatever it was probably barely a chord at that point but anyway I started to get to know how to play a little bit and also Nirvana was a big deal too because their songs were a little bit easier to learn how to play but we were also listening to shit that I was nowhere near beginning to learn how to play because we had gotten into death metal and if I if I remember right, the first death metal band I ever heard was Obituary, and I believe the album was Cause of Death. And it was from these friends. I started to hear this crazy-ass heavy music, and I was so into it. I'm like, how much crazier and heavier can we get? Let's just figure it out. And we literally went out there looking for the most brutal, the most evil, whatever the most fucked up heavy metal music we could find. We were going to go out there and get it. That was our mission. Get all of it. All the shit. Let's get it. And that was a fucking blast. And then Christmas 1993, I finally talked my parents into getting me a guitar and an amplifier. We went to a pawn shop and I got and a shitty pv keyboard amplifier not even a guitar amplifier i guess because it was the cheapest one that was there and the guitar that i got was an aria pro 2 which aside from that guitar i don't think i've ever seen an aria anywhere that i can remember Um, but it was a big heavy wooden electric guitar and it served its purpose you know i got home i plugged it in i did whatever I had to do to fuck with the knobs to make it sound the slightest bit distorted, and I proceeded to start trying to learn how to play songs, trying to write my own songs. I was literally shut up in my bedroom. The world could have exploded around me outside. I wouldn't give a shit. I'm like, I am fucking busy. And so over the course of the next year, I had pretty much taught myself to play guitar by, you know, listening to songs that I loved and figuring out how to make the same sound on my guitar and then eventually playing along with complete songs. And once I started doing that, I would take those chords that I was figuring out and I would play them in different spots and do different rhythms and start making up my own songs. And I went right back to doing what I was doing before. Double cassette deck stereo, I'm going to fucking throw together some songs. I was already making fucking albums, people. Were they good? Fuck no. Were they cohesive at all? Not really. It was a hodgepodge of styles ranging from Stone Temple Pilots style shit all the way to like Sepultura wannabe music. I didn't really know what I wanted to do right away, but eventually it all sort of ended up becoming a kind of punk-grunge hybrid. And so, by the end of 1994, I had already recorded two albums worth of material, and so, obviously, I wanted to get my own band together. And so, one of my friends ended up getting a drum kit, Christmas 94, and within, I feel like it was almost within a month, we had already gotten my first band together. And I had been making my own music under the name More, M-O-R-E. And so that was the name 
of my first band also. And it was pretty much my baby. I mean, I wrote the songs and I, you know, worked on arranging them with the other two guys that were in the band. And, you know, it was fucking fun. It was probably the most fun I'd ever had in my life up to that point, you know, being in a band. And that band went on throughout 1995. And uh, I think we broke up early in my senior year of high school. And around that time, so that was 95, 96, around that time, uh, we had all sort of moved on to listening to a lot of the punk rock music that was out there. Mostly because, well, from my point of view, it was mostly because a lot of the metal bands had either stopped really making fast music or just kind of broken up altogether. And it seemed like even the death metal bands were kind of just retreading the shit they were already doing or doing a more simplified version of what they were doing. And I always wanted really fast music with guitar riffs that made me want to run home and learn how to play them. So we were into, you know, the no effects and uh, Lagwag and all those California really fast, uh, pretty technical punk bands. And uh, after graduation in 96, that's the kind of music I was making in my next band, which was called Pinfold, which I kind of just joined as a singer and eventually played guitar later on down the line. Um, but there were other songwriters in the band, and so it was kind of a collaborative thing, which I actually really enjoyed. But that was also around the time that I started to really take this whole music thing very seriously, and we would always have conversations about you know wanting to get signed and you know wanting to be on some sort of label and do a tour and all these things these were all sort of the pipe dream conversations that we were having but in my brain I'm like I've already figured out what I want to do with my life I want to be a musician and I want to go on tour and I want to make music but uh, at that point you know you're talking 1996-97 the whole music explosion that was going on in the 80s and the early 90s, it had already started to taper off a little bit. You stopped hearing all these stories all the time about, oh, we we played a show for, for a rep from whatever label, and now we got signed. That seemed like that shit was happening less and less, and it absolutely didn't happen for my band. And that band ended up breaking up at some point. But also, a lot of my quote-unquote metal friends that I had met early in high school, we had all started sort of branching off in different directions musically. I think we all had our common ground, but I seemed like I was kind of the only one that was still like the metal guy. Like, I, I was pretty firm in wanting aggressive, heavy music. I was still into bands like Helmet and stuff like that. And that's really the kind of music I, I, I wanted to make. But it was a very weird atmosphere musically because heavy music was no longer very popular and the heavy music that was getting popular was shit that I didn't want anything to do with because it just didn't speak to me on a technical or emotional level. And, and this sort of leads us into the... 2000s, early 2000s, where I, I think in some other podcast I did, I referred to that as the lost years, where I was really trying to find something special musically to inspire me. And, and there were little things here and there, but for the most part, nothing was really clicking. And I think 
I I really do think that around this time, the creator part of me kind of overtook the fanatic part of me. I had become very focused on making my own music. I had started once again going back to doing stuff on my own. I had actually rented recording equipment and tried to put together the most professional collection of songs that I could at the time and sent the shit out to all sorts of record labels. And of course, I got all of the rejection letters uh, if they actually bothered to send anything. But um, there was a lot of internal struggling going on around that time. Struggling with myself because I had my own limitations as a guitar player and a songwriter and singer. And also because a lot of the music that was going on around that time just wasn't clicking with me. Or it was stuff that I just thought I was better than. And that's kind of shitty, but... I really felt that way. I would see so many bands that were getting signed and they were doing shit that I thought, well, I can do that, so what's special about that? And on top of that, the couple of bands that I was in in the early to mid-2000s never ended up being what I had envisioned. And I, part of it's maybe my fault because I my capabilities were not there to do what I really wanted to do, but also... I didn't end up finding people that could pull off what I really wanted out of a band. And I, I'm i the kind of person that I don't really want to rock the boat. So I would throw a band together or, or join a band or however it would happen. And I would try to just make the best of it with the people that I was in the bands with. Because most of the time we all became friends. And then once you're friends, it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to kick people out or or you know just because this person isn't the kind of performer on stage that I would like I'm not going to get rid of them only one time in my life was I ever involved in kicking somebody out of a band and that was a, a fucking horrible it made me feel shitty and I'm sure it made them feel shittier but still and so it started to become a thing where I was like well I'll stick it out for a while but once it got to the point where I just couldn't hang anymore I would just leave and usually I was one of the primary songwriters, if not the primary songwriter. So once I left, the band just fell apart. And that's kind of what happened with every band I've been in in this millennium up until a few years ago when, you know, life got in the way of me being in the band I was in. And at that point, I took a look at everything and I said, you know what? This isn't fun anymore. I really don't want to put so much effort into writing pretty good songs and putting together a band that I think is unique and and meaningful only to constantly play in a bar to nobody. And that's kind of what it's become here uh, in Austin, Texas. The music scene has uh, kind of crumbled. And um, a lot, even a lot of the heavy music in Austin is very generic and uninspired and a lot of it is a is a popularity thing and i guess it has been that way for a while but i'm not one of the popular people so guess what nobody's coming to my shows but the funny thing is that for the most part um i'm kind of okay with not being in a band anymore and that's because 
through the few years that I was in the last band that I was in, I had fully reconnected with what it was to be a music fanatic. And I've talked about this on another podcast about how uh, the band Mastodon in the early 2000s kind of got me back into metal. And then over the years, gradually, I started going back and listening to all of these great bands that I was so obsessed with when I was younger and realizing that the music is still fucking amazing. And so it, it kind of snowballed on me. So while I was still trying to play in a band and do those kind of things, I all of a sudden found myself being really obsessed with collecting and learning. And and it it was so much fun because I realized that I, I, I'm kind of a better fan than I am a musician. And I'm fine with that because it, I, I feel like I'm much better at supporting the shit that I love than I am trying to put my own shit out there. Now, I still do music. I, I've spoke about this before. I, I have a project that I call Supporting Actor, and you can find it on Apple Music and Spotify and shit. And it's, you know, heavy alternative rock, a little bit of metal tinge in there. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, that's enough for me. I don't really need to go out there and play. I, I have a good time making the music the same way that I did back when I was 15 or whatever. But there's no pressure now. Nobody cares. And that's fine. If, if some people hear it and they love it, that's even fucking better. But it almost feels like the music that I make now is more sort of connected to the fanatic side of me, taking these aspects of things that I love from all these different artists that have shaped me over the years and sort of just putting it into this product that just sort of comes out of me. All the love I have for the music, it, it all funnels down and becomes whatever sound comes out of the songs that I make. And along with that, it almost feels like what I've been through musically and and knowing what I know about songwriting and being in a band and struggling and all of these things, it, it, it's easier for me to understand what it is that makes me love whatever piece of music so much and, and why uh, one band uh, has more of a connection to me than another band. And I think most importantly, why this music is important. You know, whatever I'm talking about, whatever week or whatever video, why is this important to the people that it's important to? I'm I don't want to talk to people that that don't like this style of music. That I don't I don't want to try to convert anyone. If you are converted, great. If you're not, I don't care because I'm not looking to argue. There's plenty of people out there on the internet that are ready to argue with you. That's not me. I don't I don't want to shit talk things. That's why you don't hear me doing entire podcasts or videos devoted to shitting on something. Because life's too fucking short. All this music that I love that was made years ago is just getting further and further away. And I feel like because I'm so great at being a fanatic, I'm going to continue to keep this shit alive however I can with whoever wants to listen. But when it comes to my dream of 
you know, being a rock star or whatever. I, I'm, I'm okay with getting back to just making album covers out of construction paper and throwing my own shit together just for my own enjoyment. Because really, the more that I dissect all of this music, you know, from bands that I love or just from eras that I find interesting, the more that I dig and look at what made this music unique, it it becomes very clear to me that I just wasn't that good. You know, I, I can't blame anybody else for my failures when as great as I thought I was, I was really just a bit above average. And I'm fine with that, because at least I have that. Some people have no musical ability at all. So, you know, I'm cool with it, because I've found that what I am really good at is expressing my love and appreciation for all of this great music that has made me who I am. And I'm happy that I'm getting to use my life experiences to express my obsession and devotion to this music to all of you in my own unique way. And if you all weren't out there listening, I'm sure I would probably still be doing this in some form or fashion. You know, it'd probably just be, you know, me talking to the bartender or whatever. But, you know, I'd still be out there doing it because this shit is in my blood. So... Thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of this extended self-therapy session. And honestly, I appreciate all of you for listening. And for those of you who are listening slash watching this on YouTube, thank you. You're all beautiful people. And I love that we're all able to connect out there like this. The magic of the internet, people. Anyway, thank you for listening to another episode of Old Head. I will see you all again next time. Bye.